Well, try as we might, Keith, there's no ignoring the train wreck for your favorite social media this week. So we got to talk about that. And boy, I'll tell you, there's a big blow up in New York City among one of the big stations there. Want to hear your opinion on that? Because that's really an interesting development. And Bond, James Bond, to the rescue. Well, maybe. So securely ensconced here in my studio in Seattle, Washington, I'm Jackson Weaver. And from his sunny deck in Southern California, it's Keith Samuels. We get together a couple of times a week and we offer our opinions on the media field. Sometimes it'll be new FM technology or the local TV scene and often the people in the business we'll talk about. So for Tuesday, October 12th, welcome to Media Insultant. Okay, Keith, good morning. Looks like we've had a major blow-up in uh, the management of a couple of radio stations in New York City. Not that that's unusual. What's going on? <laughs> well, it is unusual because it's New York City. You know, you don't usually have top management blow-ups in New York City or Los Angeles. Uh, you have segues. You have, you know, planned obsolescence, if you will, or promotions and so forth. But uh, this one was really a strange one this last week. And this went down on Thursday. Did you see the news where the uh, market manager, market president for uh, MediaCo's two stations, WBLS, which is an R&B station in New York, does really well, and Hot 97, another urban station in New York, um, does really well too. Their market manager, Ron DeCastro, exited. Now... You and I, I've exited from a couple of jobs, okay? Now, you know, it, it was kind of like the handwriting was on the wall. It was kind of like the tap on the shoulder saying, you know what, maybe not a good fit. You know what, maybe uh, you should consider that other offer you told us about last week. Maybe it's time. So you exit, all right? You know, sometimes you get fired. You just get your ass kicked to the curb, and that's a bad thing. But when you get told to exit, it's kind of like, you know, we're... We're moving in another direction. We're thinking of taking a different take a, a approach at this thing. And I think that's kind of what happened in New York because Ron DeCastro got this job in April of 2020, okay? And he was hired by a guy by the name of Pat Walsh. And Pat Walsh is Jeff Smullyan's right-hand guy at Emmis, okay? Now, Emmis still owns these radio stations, but the stations are currently operated in a joint venture kind of way with a division of, of uh, Sun Young Kim's uh, Standard General Investment Group, the same group that's going after Tegna. Tegna, right. You know, right, runs these stations. Well, I'm, it's kind of like, are they owning the stations and Jeff runs them? It's a weird relationship between me this MediaCo group and Emmis. But in either case, they're both in this together. But Pat Walsh hired Ron a year and a half ago, 18 months ago. But back in June of this year, all of a sudden... Pat Walsh is replaced, and a guy named Rashawn Rashawn Lindsay becomes the company's new chief executive. All right, and at the same time, a guy named Bradford Tobin becomes the company's new chief operating officer and president. Now, this is for a company of two radio stations. Okay, we used to have you used to run just two radio stations. You didn't need a president, and you didn't need a CEO, a COO, and chief operating officer. It was 
Jackson Dell Weaver, and you had your AM and your FM, or you had a couple of FMs, whatever it might be. You don't need all this. And then a market president. So they've got, and I think I commented at the time, I was go, why do you need this many guys running two radio stations? That was happened in June. In, in August, September, Ron hires a DOS, okay? So now we have these two guys Ron DeCastro and a DOS. Ron was doing the DOS work as well for that 18 months or for most of those 18 months. But then all of a sudden he's gone. He exits. So I think these new guys running the show either realize they don't need Ron or Ron wasn't doing the job the way they wanted it done because they have come from other media companies to this position. But something happened there where all of a sudden these two new managers are going, this guy is not our guy anymore, and Ron's got to exit. So I'm looking forward to hearing what you know, what scuttlebutt we can pick up over the next couple of days and weeks as to what the heck's happening with MediaCo slash Emmis in New York that running two of these stations has become like a big uh, soap opera. You know, it's just, come on, it's not that tough, guys. You own Urban in, in New York. It's great radio stations, overmanaged. Maybe, two, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of salaries on the back of these two radio stations for these guys to be running it. And, you know, I don't know, I don't know what's happening, but I'm sorry to see that Ron was the guy that got the bullet or was shown the door or said, it's time for you to exit. You know, because guess what? If I had that job, I'd fight like crazy to keep it because there's no other job that Ron's going to get in radio in America that's got that prestige and pays that big. Okay. Well, but it also depends on how long, you know, how, you know, how this transpired, because yeah. the yeah. truth is, is that even in New York City, finding a good market manager is a challenge. You know, it's expensive. Oh, yeah. Yeah. People don't want to live in New York the way they used to. I mean, it's one thing when you're 30. It's another thing when you're 55 or 60. So I, I'm, you know, there's got to be something going on. And he had a good uh, reputation and a good background in the business. So. Yeah, and he's and he's worked at a couple of major you know, he's worked at CBS and others in New York as a salesman and sales manager. And then he's in he's in suburban New York. He's in New Jersey working for Town Square, which, you know, is everybody's, you know, happy place to go work. And uh, and then so he gets the gig in New York to become the GM, and 18 months later it's 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 exit time. So, you know, if hey, if anybody out there in, in media insultant land knows the scooby dooby on this stuff, you know, we're all ears. Yep, you know, just get, get a hold of us. And we'll be happy to report the uh, anonymous tip in, and find out what happened here. But it's just a strange thing when, when such a big job in such a big market for such a, uh, an interesting investment company and Emmis. Emmis doesn't work this way typically. Um, and, um, you know, we'll, I, I just like to know what's – there's something to this story that the, that the Happy Talk trade press is not reporting or doesn't know yet, and we'll find out. We're on it. We're on it, Keith. You know, last uh, when we started this about a year and a half ago, uh, we predicted that theaters were going to be extinct with the pandemic and the advent of so many streaming sources. But, you know, suddenly theatrical begins to show some life. The new Bond movie came out this week, uh, No Time to Die. It's going to do $60 million this uh, last weekend, apparently. Mm. And that's a, sh a movie with a lot of legs. Older audience people will get around to seeing it. Venom, the uh, there, Let There Be Carnage, which... Probably is not on the top of your list, <laughs> but it's a, a big Marvel movie. It opened with $90 million. Let's look at this. You know, we've suddenly got people going back to the theaters. Are we going back to the way it was? 
or has something else changed with the advent of OTT and streaming? Are, are we going to see a different configuration in the theatrical business? What's your thought? Well, I, I think uh, a lot a lot of people are anxious to get back to going to movies. I mean, that was a big thing for everybody, all of us. You know, we loved going to movies occasionally. Now, I don't go to a movie a month. I might go to two movies a year in a theater. But, you know, it's one's going to be the movie my daughter's worked on, and another movie's going to be the Bond movie or whatever we're going to yeah, go right, to. Yeah, right, right. You know, and we're already making plans. We're going to go see this Bond film. We're going to, you know, it's, it's almost three hours long. We're going to plan an afternoon senior discount matinee and then follow that up with, uh, you know, with local uh, go to dinner and have a few drinks and talk about the movie. You know, just like old times' sake. But the frequency is what's going to be interesting. And what kind of movies do people want to see? I think the big action films... All of those are, are, you know, you know, my 12-year-old grandson's going to want to see the Marvel movie, okay? I mean, it's, he's just Mr. Marvel, and he's Mr. Star Wars, and he's going to want to see this stuff at the movies. So, you know, are they, they're probably a little hesitant to go. They like going to a drive-in. The movie experience, I think, is still important for people. But you're right. I think for much of this product, you know, most the theatrical releases for 90% of, of, of movies is just simply to promote it so when it does hit... HBO, Cinemax, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, Showtime, yeah, Showtime, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, back in the old days, there's an audience for it because they already are. There's awareness for that film. Now it's building awareness for the OTT stream. So you still drive down Sunset Boulevard, and every new movie has got a big building size billboard and you know big spectacular digital boards that are going crazy because at some point. It's going to be on OTT. It's going to be on Netflix, you know. And so um, that theatrical release still drives the OTT viewership. But I think there's going to be, that 90% is going to be a lot less. I think you're going to see, you know, just a few movies get the big push and the big theatrical release. And the rest, you're right, are going to go right straight to your streaming service. And and they're going to promote the hell out of it through their email and through their promos, you know, uh, um, you know, that they do before you stream a movie. You know, they're getting promos on all these streaming services now about what to watch. And so, um, yeah, I think we're going to see a reconfiguration for sure. Well, you know, the, the thing that's fascinating is you look at um, the number 10 movie this last weekend was a movie by Disney called Jungle Cruise. And number 10, you'd think, is a pretty respectable ranking, right? Number 10 movie did $214,000. So you go from ninety million at number one to two hundred and fourteen thousand. So what I think we're going to see is we're going to see these major theatricals doing really well, and then everything else is going to die. I don't know what's going to happen to all of these multiplexes that are all over the country because there's not going to be people are going to say, you know, why would Disney spend any money putting two putting a movie into enough theaters to get two hundred and fourteen thousand dollars? That's just yeah, crazy. Well, yeah, but I understand your point. There's always going to be that tenth place movie that's that's ending its theatrical run and isn't going to do very well. There's a lot of those that have happened, and 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 Jungle Cruise came out a couple of months ago, so Jungle Cruise has had its run. This is not Jungle Cruise's opening weekend, so don't dis dis the Rock like that. Okay, Good The point. Rock's my man. All right, and you know, okay, and and you know, he did, and the movie was pretty well received. But, uh, but it's at the end of its run. You're right. But that's a massive discrepancy that you point out. And I think you're going to, yeah, I think that's probably something we're going to see. The multiplexes, boy, you know, they're struggling. And, you know, you don't know, uh, you know, how, how long that's going to last. We got to shift. But it's, again, you know, we're just waiting to see what life is like after COVID. And this damn COVID keeps, keeps, 
hanging around. It does. And so, uh, you know, it, you know, those those multiplexes might just might be turning into Tesla dealerships. I mean, they turned a they turned an abandoned Indian casino in Santa Fe, New Mexico, into a Tesla dealership because it's on tribal land, and Musk can circumvent. The, uh, the state laws. law against the franchising laws and put it into an Indian casino. So who knows what's going to happen to, to, to you know, your multiplex? Well, you know, it's it's interesting, too, because, um, you know, to move on to another another topic here, Facebook, they're, they're simply, this was a week where simply there wasn't anything else that could go wrong. I mean, really, <laughs> there was nothing left to go wrong. I, during in one week, they're accused of knowing how damaging their content is, how they're putting profit over people. There was a whistleblower series of articles in the Wall Street Journal. 60 Minutes did an expose on them. They had congressional hearings, and then on top of it, midweek, they have a six-hour outage. I, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. What else could go wrong? Yeah, I loved I loved all the social media postings of people saying um, on Twitter and other social media was saying that. Uh, so, how many orders did you, to media salespeople? So, how productive were you when when Facebook was down? How many orders did you write when Facebook went down? And it's it was kind of funny. Yeah, well, that's the that's the question that you know I think is relevant for what we do is, you know, I don't want to get into the intricacies of the debate over this because that's going to go on for years. But how do you think six hours of outage and the change in reputation for Facebook is going to affect local clients? What's your thought? Uh, not much. They're addicted to it. It's 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 crack. It's it's uh, you know it's meth. It's everything that's bad. They're addicted to because it's the it's the cool thing, and they don't want to be left out. You don't want to miss out on your search being on the first page of a search. You don't want to miss out on, on being a Facebook campaign and being first top of mind in Facebook. It's crazy what local businesses think actually works for them. But I think more than anything else, and Bob Hoffman brought it up in his, in his sizzling newsletter yesterday or Sunday, talking about how silent advertising community and advertising trade associations have been about how Facebook has lied to businesses and to ad agencies about the size of their audience. Their metrics are as equally damaging to their business, actually more so, than any of this other content stuff. Because they make 99, 90% of their revenue comes from ads, from ad revenue, from advertisers, national and local. And and he's going, they've, you know, they've got Facebook people embedded at Procter & Gamble. They've got Facebook people embedded at the major agency holding companies. These guys are joined at the hip with Facebook to extort budgets from clients and blow it into Facebook and no one really knows what the audiences are. They've never revealed, you know, in an accurate fashion who's watching, who's who's seeing these ads. And so Bob was just going ballistic over the no one's asking these questions from our industry associations about Facebook's transparency and legitimacy as an ad medium you know television ratings come out the next morning you never know what the ratings are on facebook except what they tell you well so um, it's really tough but but the but the, all of the ad associations are complicit in this kind of thing because if they well, come yeah. out and start really challenging what's going on with facebook and their audience suddenly all the money they've spent their clients are going to go what the hell? I just spent twenty million dollars with you over the last year on Facebook, and you didn't know what the accuracy of the of the data was. And and, then- and, and Bob and Bob cites this. He goes, you know, the trade associations can't have a trade show without Google and and Facebook being major sponsors. So how much money are you getting from Facebook to sponsor your events that you make a ton of money off of? And the same thing with the advertising agencies and, and clients is like. 
How, how deeply embedded are they in your ecosystem, in your buying processes at the agency? Because they're not saying anything and no one's canceling and no one's stopping the advertising. Isn't right. that amazing? Yeah. Yeah, and that's that. I think is the point. I think the other thing for a lot of local and medium-sized clients is having a bigger effect on all of this than any of that. Is Facebook continues to change their algorithms on who sees what, and mm -hmm. I think that becomes really you know problematic. I have had clients who say, "Well, you, you know, Facebook used to work really well, and then suddenly it didn't." And yeah. Well, my my closing comment on this is that is that what it once the P and Gs. And the Unilevers and the McDonald's and the you know and the Fords and General Motors stop running Facebook advertising. As long as they're still running it, the local guys will still do it. That's but if right. the big guys start yanking out and going time out, kids, then their local affiliates, their local franchises, or the local businesses will go. Oh yeah, I'm done too. Yeah yeah okay, I'm holding off. So we'll see what happens. But it's 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 got a, it's going to have a big impact. Uh, and, and Bob's not going. He's going to be relentless on this. He's going after these these associations and these big holding companies like a you know like a rabid dog. And he's going. He's it's a bone he's not going to let go of. Well, we'll follow it. And there you have it, Keith. We've killed another fifteen minutes. And of course, we'll do this again on Thursday. More opinions and thoughtful thoughts. <laughs> oh, we have to be thoughtful now. Yeah, that's a new oh. new requirement. <laughs> The only podcast that really is focused on media, we call it Media Insultant. Uh, Keith, I will see you Thursday. That's been fun, and, uh, and God bless Ron DeCastro. I hope he's okay, and I'll see you Thursday.